Dave Fanning on 2FM. Okay, Kian is here. Basically, we're talking here about... Uh, what, what did you call them again? Accidental? Unintentional. Oh, unintentional. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Okay. This is a very famous Christmas song. Why? It is because it was number one at Christmas. Is that it? it pretty much. Well, now... So a lot of these songs, they were, when they were written, they had no intention of being Christmas songs. So that yeah. song... When they a, made the video much time later, they dressed the up thing. as Santa Claus. So when it was originally <laughs> written by Tony Mortimer, the lead singer of E17 there, that pop rap boy band from the 90s, it was actually written about the death of his brother. So he said when he was writing the song, you know, he wanted to imagine what would it be like if he had one more day with a loved one. It was all based on conversations he had had with his brother and he was trying to channel it into a love song about the end of a relationship. But when the management got wind of it, they were like, stick a few bells on that. Let's have you all in some white woolly jackets and we'll put it out around Christmas. And it worked. Like it got to Christmas number one in 94 and that's probably E17's most biggest song it is but like, I mean, you do be after hearing it today when you go into a shop thinking mm-hmm. it's a Christmas song because yeah. a lot I mean how do people work in the shops with the same twin? I don't know <laughs> it's <laughs> just Guantanamo Bay stop, do you hear in those in certain shops they don't have the originals they have these awful covers oh, as well that's no, like Guantanamo Bay worse, to me yeah. okay yeah. I, say, well, I might as well start another one here before you talk about it look sure. why is this Ah, well, hold on a second now. She says Christmas. She does, That's yes. That's not unintentional. Well, it wasn't meant to be a Christmas song because unfortunately this is also another song about the death of a young man. So this is this Pretenders, the Pretenders 2000, 2000 Miles. Yeah. 100%. Uh, it was actually written about the death of the lead guitarist for the Pretenders, James Honeyman Scott, who passed yes. away in 82. So he's would have sang on or played on hits like Brass and Pocket, Talk of the Town, I Go to Sleep. And he passed away in 82. So then in their 83 album, Learning to Crawl, they had written this song basically to sort of you know, represent Christmas in the song for me when I interpret it is like Christmas amongst the winter is like the joy of hearing his music amongst like the grief of his loss. So that's kind of how I always interpreted it. So although but there was a video with lots of stuff in the Christmas it's snowy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it isn't actually about Christmas. It is about, it's about grief and mourning. And I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, must try harder. Okay, convince me with the next one. <laughs> but the next one I had then is uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. So this was released in, in 84. Which one was that? The the third single off Welcome to the Pleasure Dome so it came in, out in December and like in 84 Frankie Goes Hollywood were having such a huge year yeah, huge. with two tribes relax and all that so 14 weeks on top of the charts but when uh, describing his lyrics in hindsight Holly Johnson said that he always felt the power of love was going to be a song that would save his life there's biblical aspects to spirituality and passion and the fact that love is the only thing that really matters in the end the sort of biblical aspect of the song was then translated into like a nativity style video so the video and the fact that it was kind Kind of released around Christmas kind of cemented in people's head that it was a Christmas song without any mention of it. You see what you're saying here? Like the 80s was so video and so like mm. everything was video that like if you just stick a bit of Christmas in the video it's a Christmas song. Exactly, that yeah, it? it'll sell more. That's cheating. Here, hold on a second. Let's see if I can see them say the word Christmas here. So far, no. interviewing them once I always thought if they had any more brains they'd be stupid they had nothing I mean nothing to say Okay. <laughs> about anything. Anyway, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Well, they're three songs that kind of pitched, put yeah. together because they had Christmassy videos and that's kind of why people think that they're Christmas Good songs. Enough. Yeah. Um, so okay, I'll so, allow that. Go so, on. So the next category I have is songs that 
were covered in a Christmassy style that have now kind of become Christmas perennials. So, you mean there were songs before that and yes. then made Christmassy? Yes. All right. Okay. So the first one I have up is is related to the thing that I feel now in 2022 is the signifier of the start of Christmas, the release of the John Lewis Christmas ad that kind of All comes right. out first week in November and you know Christmas is starting. And a lot of the John Lewis ads, if they've had a song, they became Christmas Eve staples. Is that well, it? Yeah, well, yeah. the biggest one of this is the one I'm going to discuss now, which is Lily Allen and Summer Only We Know. Oh, that's Keen's song, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of like this whole trend of the John Lewis advert kind of really got popularized in 2010 when Ellie Goulding covered Elton John's Your Song and then the ads kind of basically kind of got bigger and bigger. They go for like a wintry themed cover of a classic song. Actually, The Power of Love was covered by Gabrielle Applin in 2012 and then in 2013 was Lily Allen's Summer Only We Know. And yeah, took the Keen classic and sort of just depicted this this Disney style animated woodland animals of a bear waking up from hibernation to see the Christmas tree. And yeah, top the charts for Lily Allen has become kind of the biggest success of those John Lewis ads. And it's got it's kind of a call it a Christmassy production. It is, yeah. It has yeah. the bells, it has yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the gentle strings being plucked and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely okay. that's the style. So far, hear. no Bing Crosby, I can tell you. <laughs> yes, give me another one. Uh, were you a fan of Yazoo? Not you? really. Not no, really. Okay, no. well I thought I saw them one. live once. Do you know what they did at half not half time? They kind of well, kind of took a break but didn't. And it was hilarious. They did kind of a bingo thing with the audience. Oh, yeah. Yazoo bingo. I Interesting. Lost. Go on. Uh, okay, well, I, I've I've thrown the original in for this one, even though people might not necessarily associate it with a Christmas song. So it's Only You by Yazoo, their debut single, which came out in 82. Um, and, you know, top 10 synth mid, pop, mid-tempo mid pop song. Wasn't that it was the, what do you call it? The acapella version? Yeah, so by, exactly. By again? Christmas the next year, it was sung by the Flying Pickets, who yeah. were a group who were very vocal about their support for the miners' strike happening yeah. the same year. And kind of that sort of political background helped propel them their version of this song to number one. The song had like a light instrumental and replaced a lot of the synths with this like sort of acapella bum bum bum, uh, you yeah. know, giving it that sort of choral feel. And despite the group's like political left wing leanings, Margaret Thatcher said this was her favourite song. Oh, really? so. <laughs> I just think is there is it in some ad at the moment? I I feel airwormy about this. It could be since then it's been reimagined by Becky Hill, Kylie Minogue, Enrique Iglesias have all made oh, a Christmas okay. songs I just now. Thought I've heard it in the last few weeks. It Maybe could be not. Boots, oh, Boots used to do it. Who? Boots used to oh, do I it. Like meant, I thought it said Bootsy. Yeah, like <laughs> the amazing story of Bootsy in the current Rolling Stone. It's bizarre. Okay. But people going all over America saying they're Bootsy yeah. and getting free hotels out of them. Poor old Bootsy Collins is going, well, I wasn't even there. Oh, look, I talked over the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, give me <laughs> Well, I also had the Flying Pickets version there if you wanted to play nah, that. No, it's fine. Sure. Thanks. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> so you mentioned Bing Crosby. I've Bing Crosby up next. Uh, so his track, Do You Hear What I Hear. So this was another Christmas song that was not originally when it was written. It was written by a married songwriting duo as a plea for peace during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. The lyrics make reference, like these biblical references to sheep and shepherds etc and when it was written then it was snapped up by American composer Harry Simeone and released that year and then in 63 Mr. Christmas himself Bing Crosby released the version which kind of became the standard which has now been covered (laughs) and sold tens of millions of copies and has been covered by the likes of Whitney Mariah or sorry Whitney Mary J. Blige and Destiny's Child I don't think I even know it here before I I play a blast blast, that's very interesting there you just said sheeps did you? Yeah, (laughs) I may have yeah (laughs) Is that the plural of sheep, is it? I suppose fishes is the plural of loaves or something. Do you hear what I hear? 
Holy cow! That's uh, that, you say that's covered by the likes of Whitney Houston, Mary J. Blige, and Destiny's Child. Yeah. Right? I've never heard that before. It wouldn't be my favorite. It's now, so tens of millions. You say? <laughs> yeah, that's very yeah. big in America. I think right. with, okay. with the religious crowd. All right. So give us something different. And by the way, we're looking at stuff again. What do you call it again? Unintentional. Unintentional Christmas, Christmas sets and all yes. that. Like, that are churned out every year because of the fact that they seem to be Christmassy, but they're not necessarily. Yeah. So, so they were ones that were originally written and then covered in a Christmas style that kind of became Christmas anthems. These are ones that do happen to contain Christmas lyrics, but the, the songwriters say that they weren't originally meant for Christmas. So first up is another anti-war song, which is oh, I can guess. a Christmas yeah. song. Got, yeah, it mentions Christmas, anti-war, Jonah Louie, but isn't Christmas. Absolutely. Stop ah, the Christmas, cavalry. for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the song was the second uh, and really only his last biggest hit then uh, in the 80s and was actually held off number one by the reissued John, Le- or John Lennon songs that came about after his death of the same month of, of December of 1980 uh, the combination of the song having been released around December and the line wish I was at home for Christmas has managed to keep the song alive every year and in 2017 the Irish Times ran a survey on Christmas and Stop the Cavalry was voted as the fourth most popular Christmas song in Ireland really I wouldn't have thought Which that you, we wanna have... Bang, that's who what go on I was going to say do you want to guess the first three? Oh, hold on we go for that in a second <laughs> if I get home lift up tell the tale I'll run for all presidencies if I get elected I'll stop yeah, he was one of those stiff records kind of guys. Okay, wait a second, are you saying top three what? Most popular Irish? Yeah, according to a Twitter poll by the Irish Times in 2017. So how official that is, I, mean, I don't, I don't know. know. Band-Aid, John Lennon, no? No, Fairytale in New York. All right, yeah, of course. Oh, oh, holy... of course, yeah. <laughs> about that oh holy Night. <laughs> yeah. And Driving Home for Christmas. I was oh, surprised yeah. by those top four now. I would have thought, really? yeah. Yeah, Oh Holy Night by whom? I think uh, it was just the carol. Oh, just, yeah. just it itself. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that might be so. a version by Sinead or somebody. Okay, <laughs> give us something. Next, right, a more contemporary one. Taylor Swift, Tis the Damn Season. In December of 2020, Taylor Swift dropped her second album of that year, Evermore, the companion album to Folklore, which came earlier in the year. There became this fan theory that Evermore had actually started out as a Christmas album based on its sort of wintry folk soundscape and some of the lyrical content. The best sort of example of this suspicion is the album track, Tis the Damn Season, which is coming home for Christmas and rediscovering an old flame although it doesn't mention Christmas or the holidays the time it was released and the subject matter have led Swifties to treat this as a de facto Taylor Swift Christmas song and if they do then the whole world has to because yeah. they're so big okay Absolutely. fair enough never heard of it here it goes When she says "tis the damn season," is she slagging it? Like, is that an Irishy kind of thing? Oh, no, I, damn season again! I think it's My more God. like you know, it's a, it's the damn season. You might as well embrace it. Oh, right, yeah, okay. All right, fair enough. Here's one here: five one five five two. Have a listen to James Kramer and Eleanor McAvoy's "Snowflakes." Oh, sorry, Snowflakes Fall, released five or six years ago. Seriously, a beautiful non-cheesy Christmas classic. Nice. Wow, that's a, that's a lot in that sentence. Yeah. So I suppose that does fit into this. That's from Jenny and Rat Minds. Okay, give us more. Uh, Joni Mitchell's River, would you say it's a Christmas No, song? I mean, it's coming on Christmas, they're cutting down trees, going to make a lot of money. Going, uh, uh, this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's based at Christmas, but it's about the... you know. It's not really a Christmas song, is no, it? No, it's about no. like the end of a relationship and the grief associated with yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's kind of become a Christmas song through its, its covers as well. Um, like, you know, they are putting up reindeers. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, singing songs of joy and well, peace. So I, I added this because not only is it an unintentional Christmas song, it also kind of became a Christmas hit that no one intentionally listened to because in 2019, Ellie Goulding released a version of this song exclusively on Apple Mu- or Amazon Music. However, because so many people turn to their Amazon Echoes and say... I won't say her name because it'll it'll trigger them across the country. But, you know, Lexi, play Christmas music. Amazon allegedly slid this Ellie Goulding song into the Christmas playlists over and over again so much that it ended up racking up enough streams to be the number one Christmas song of 2019. So, yeah, it's included because it's kind of Christmassy. It's a cover of the Joni Mitchell version, uh, which is tangentially it wasn't originally a Christmas song but this was done in a Christmas style and yeah it was also unintentionally not listened to Okay so Ellie Goulding did it too is that the point? Yes exactly yeah. Okay right and so any other ones you have that aren't that, that are? Yeah so I so they, they were kind of the three main categories here are just some other sort of tangential ones that have a bit more of a story about them Sarah Bareilles and Ingrid Michaelson's Winter Song so we actually have a, a history of this song here in Ireland so the song kind of starts off in a, in a cafe in L.A. called the Hotel Cafe, which is also like a musical venue. In 2008, they commissioned a compilation to celebrate a range of talented female singer-songwriters who were on the scene. It included like Fiona Apple, Katie Tunstall, and then Sarah Bareilles and Ingrid Michaelson. And all the songs were wintry themed and it was kind of released and wasn't really a big success. Grand. Then in 2011, it was used in a Christmas TV advert by O2 in Ireland and people began to download it on iTunes and the song became to become quite popular and made it into the top 10. Then a Twitter user with the username Brenda Drum tweeted, Twitter should have a Christmas single. So this is in the, I mean, this is a very early Twitter if people are tweeting things like that, I think. That idea snowballed, pardon the pun, and before you knew it, there was 140 people in the Western Grand Hall recording a version of Winter Song and it was released as a Christmas charity single in Ireland to raise money for Hollis Street neonatal unit. So it's one of the very few cases where like a non-Irish artist had a really huge hit here and not in the UK or the US and that's kind of like a, a popular... Christmas song here. They say we're buried for just like a distant star. I simply cannot hold is love alive. So who's all that again? There's lots of people on that, are there? That, that's just Sarah Bareilles and Ingrid Michaelson, but it was part of this this compilation, and it, right. it was just yeah a wintry themed song that was released. But now it's become a Christmas true advert. Okay, and uh, Krista Berg has a kind of a Christmassy thing that isn't Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, a spaceman came traveling. So this was originally released in '75 from the album Spanish Train and Other Stories, and it was a big hit in '75. Got number one around Christmas time, and and you know it, like some of the other songs we've mentioned, it was popular Christmas time. It had some like biblical sounding lyrics peace and goodwill to all men and love for the child and evokes that imagery of the of the LBJ little baby Jesus and then that choral vocal delivery helped the collective consciousness see this as a Christmas song um, but then in 84 off the back of the success of Lady in Red Chris sort of acknowledged the public's affinity for the song at Christmas and re-released the track specifically as a Christmas song at that point Oh okay fair enough so wait a second now let me just get this right so it was on an album or something it was released it was released in 75 right. not as a Christmas song and then, and is, is this a, a Christmas perennial now? Is it? I mean, it, it would really? be, yeah, yeah, it, it is, appears yeah. on lots of those compilations and everything. All yeah. right, okay. Okay, so that's Christopher Berg's Spaceman Came Travelling. Now, Rage Against the Machine, you're going to mention, aren't you? Yeah, I just felt I had to throw it in there because 
like people don't really consider it a Christmas song, but it it was you know an un, definitely an unintentional Christmas number one. You know, it was originally released in the nineties, but then since two thousand and four, the Christmas song in the UK was all the Christmas number one in the UK yeah. was dominated by X Factor contestants. The latest one, you know, of of whichever latest batch there was, and people had considered that the Christmas number one race had kind of been killed off. So then a UK DJ, John Mortar, and his wife, Tracy, started this campaign to protest against this you know, domination of the Christmas number one by X Factor and encourage people across the UK to download Yeah, they were always this. able to say in September, like, this is going to be the Christmas number one. I'm like, what? That's just I know, wrong. I know. It, it, what, the power that that show had, I guess, and how popular it was, and none of, the, none of those Christmas songs were, were very good. Well, Sorry, not Christmas that I really night. give two hoots about what's the yeah. Christmas <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I, if, I, if I go and throw my hat in the ring, you know? Yeah, so then in 2009, and then yeah, this is what was was pushed as a protest to stop the latest X Factor winner, John McElderry's version of Miley Cyrus's "The Climb" from hitting the number one. The campaign was supported by the likes of Paul McCartney, Dave Grohl, and Muse, and also was ran alongside a campaign or just giving campaign for charity. On the day of Christmas number one, Rage Against the Machine became the UK Christmas number one, selling over half a million downloads and raising over 160 grand for UK charities. But the following week, John McAldry got to number one in the end. So and it's, it's, all uh, it's not like we're hearing this on those compilation albums of Christmas. No, I don't think ah, so. Right. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> now you do what they told you. Wow, he sounds very angry for Christmas. Okay, so give us one last one then. One last one then is Carol of the Bells. So, Carol of the Bells. Yes. Uh, most famous one would be John Williams from Home Alone that people would know. But actually, when I was doing my research, it turns out that this is a, actually an adaptation from a Ukrainian New Year's chant called Shechedrik, I'm going to say. I, I question my pronunciation there. And that means bountiful morning. And that Shechedrik uh, chant tells the story of a sparrow which flies into a house and sings about the wealth and prosperity of the year to come. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that nice? Yeah, and it was uh, it was sung in Ukraine for years and years and years around New Year, which used to be in April until Ukraine adopted Christianity. And the most famous composition of Shechedrik is by Mikola Leontovich, which is the version that was adapted in The Carol of the Bells by John Williams. Uh, English lyrics were written in 92 by Pete Wilhowski, and it became a popular carol in the US, but then popularised worldwide by its in Home Alone. You are a, a mine of, um, actually, a fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Kean Sullivan, host of Club 96 and RT Pulse and Sissy That Pod podcast. Thanks a million and happy Christmas. Happy Come on, Christmas, Kean. Dave. I'll give you a little bit of that John Williams thing and I better play a little bit of the Johnny Mitchell too because people are saying, where is it? Oh, that's Carol of the Bells. Yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one for Snowflakes Fall. It's a lovely song. I'm a big fan of it. Give it a spin, Dave. Another one says, what about Bob Dylan's Must Be Santa? Classic, says Dean Wexler. Yeah, Bob Dylan's Christmas album is out there. It's absolutely... You can't stand it close here. It's brilliant. It's like it's played at the wrong speed. Uh, Mick Flannery and Lisa Hannigan did something called Christmas Tree, which is also brilliant, but I better play a bit of this. Which is telling me it's not a Christmas song, even though the first line says it's coming on Christmas. Yeah, but it's not about yeah, Christmas. I know, yeah. <laughs> Gotta be the best known Christmas song ever, frankly. And River is the title from Joni Mitchell from her album Blue. Dave Fanning on 2FM.